Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. In this episode of Boss Files, her name and her brand are known around the world. Tori Birch now runs a global fashion powerhouse. I spoke with a self-made billionaire, talk about her struggle with the word ambition and her push to help elevate female entrepreneurs right here at home. I sat down with her in October at her headquarters in New York. Let's begin with the word ambition. Why have you struggled with the word ambition through your life? It's funny, I didn't know I struggled with it through my life. Uh, When I first started the company, it was the first article written on me and what we were doing. And my friend called me and she said, I love the article, but you got shy when he said you're ambitious. And, and I said, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I did shrink away from that word. And there's a negative connotation associated with ambitious women. What, and, is, what is the connotation? How did you feel? I mean, that was back in 2004. Yes. It was a New York Times profile on yeah. you. Um, you know, what were you thinking? Why was ambition negative in your mind then? Well, I don't think it was a thought process, and I don't think I ever knew there were gender differences growing up. I grew up with three three brothers with the idea that I could do anything that they did. So when I went into the workforce and someone called me ambitious, it just seemed like it was a very negative term when it, a, addressing a woman. And, and I felt that at the time, but I realized also what a good point, and that's something I wanted to change. You've said that you bought into the stigma that women should not be ambitious, that it was unattractive. Yeah, well, I don't know if I totally bought into it. I knew that there was that out there, and I wanted to change that desperately. I thought, wow, that's just not okay. I think it's fair to say now you have uh, fully embraced the word ambition. Well, I have, but I think it's an important nuance because not every woman wants to work. So it's also the way you live your life. I mean, I'm not telling people, oh, you have to work. It's really about being okay with what you want to do and being confident in that. You recently told New York Magazine that there was a, quote, lot of eye rolling when I started my business. So I was reading that and thinking, Tori, what does that mean? Does that mean... um, gender discrimination because you're a woman? Does that mean a perception that, oh, I'm just going to start a little brand? Well, what yeah, is that? What I, felt, was the I felt there was definitely a few pats on my back. And when I went to fundraise, I said I wanted to start a global international business so that I could start a foundation. And 
in retrospect, I don't really know if I knew what that meant at the time, but I did say it, and I was also told never to say social responsibility and business in the same sentence. Right, never say philanthropy and business in the same (laughs) sentence. That's so odd because the two do and should go hand in hand. Well, they do and should, and I think now, currently, it's much more, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's commonplace, and I think that's so important. When you think about millennials, that's what they care about. Absolutely. Have you seen that in your own hiring practices? I definitely. They care more what a brand stands for and is than necessarily their paycheck? Well, I've seen that our foundation is good for the bottom line, and that's attracting people to want to work here. It's good for our employees, but then also for our customers. So let's dive into the foundation. (laughs) When you started this company now more than a decade ago, it was part and parcel of your vision, right? Start a company, do well, be profitable. Use that power and money to start a foundation. What's the goal of the work you're doing on that front? So we started a foundation to empower women entrepreneurs in the United States. And I think at some point we want to be global. But for now, there's so much to do here now. It launched in 2009. We knew we had to be successful before we could start a foundation. Mm -hmm. And now it's been very exciting the last few years. So walk me through some of the highlights of it. How many women have you been able to help? You've been able to give out $20 million in, in, in low-cost loans? Well, with Bank of America, we have a great partnership. And in the last two years, we've given over $20 million out. And it's, it's averaging out to over a million a month. What are the things that women that get into the program, that get accepted, what, what do they get? And what have you found that female entrepreneurs need to actually get off the ground and succeed? I mean, first of all, I think they need confidence and they need to believe in themselves. And that's something we talk to them a lot. We mentor them and we, we do education also. But I think just the, the simple low cost capital is making the difference. And I think that we're reaching incredible entrepreneurs. I'm inspired by them. I hear their stories. They often have two jobs mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Um, we just launched our second uh, fellowship program and for, we pick out of hundreds of applicants 10 entrepreneurs that we give a 10000 investment into their education and then the winner gets a $100,000 grant. A Babson study from 2014 shows that women-led tech companies specifically get less than 5% of VC funding. Less than 5%. Why is this happening in 2016? Why is funding so hard, seemingly, for female entrepreneurs to come by? Well, considering it's half the population, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. I think that's a scary statistic. It has to change. Why do you think it's ha- why do you think it's happening? I mean, because you went through the fundraising process yourself. Yes, but I was lucky, and not everyone is in a position to have. I think we had 150 um, people invest, and that was friends and family. And but not everyone has that network. So I think people um, need to be good advocates for themselves. Number one, I think women have a harder time getting loans. That's just a fact. And I think if they are great advocates, believe in their vision, we, we have to get people behind them. And, that's, and we have to bring men in the conversation. Forbes reports that you are one of just 18 self-made female billionaires in the United States. On the path to that, um, did you hit any proverbial glass ceilings? I mean, I think I've hit many. I think a a lot of times um, I don't pay attention. When I first started the company, my parents said, uh, buckle your seatbelt and thicken your skin. And I think that was great advice. I think you have to have a steadfast vision. And I I love being ambitious. I love the idea of building a business. But, you know, it's not for everyone. I, I, I think... People, when when you talked about shrugged uh, shoulders and raised eyebrows, I think there was a lot of that. But 
Um, it's not something I really pay attention to. A along the way, there's been a lot of trouble, but I, I have to always look forward. You have those, like, blinders on, yes. like the horses, right? Well, I think if you're a leader, you have to, I don't know, I always think about um, grace under pressure a little bit. And I think that things, being an entrepreneur, you never know what's coming your way. And I think that there's always something, but you have to manage just the stress. And you have to really get down and, and, and believe in, in your team and, and what you're doing. When have you been underestimated? Oh, gosh, I'm sure many times, but um, I think in the beginning of the company, as I said, people thought it was a, a, quote, vanity project. I didn't really know what that meant, but and certainly when you start a business, you work so hard, the hours are so long that for someone to say that, it's a bit ironic. Any stories you can take us into when you think back now more than a decade? Um, and you think, well, they could see me now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been a, a new set of, of great things that happen, a new set of issues, and it's all building this extraordinary company. I mean, it's been a surprise, this journey for me. It's been an exciting 10, 12 years, and, and I often think like we're just beginning. I think that you have to find your passion, and that's what we did here, and that's what I did. You have called, back to the, the capital discussion, you've called access to capital a, a, a systematic impediment for women. What about the system needs to change? Because your foundation and this fellowship program helps women that need funding, but you can't help all of them. So what needs to change in the system? Well, I think women have to help themselves uh, to a certain extent, and not every woman wants to work, and that's obviously her their pr prerogative. The system, I think, we all need to collectively say that there need to be more women in leadership roles. Mm -hmm. There needs to be more women on boards, and that's something that I'm working on here. Um, out of 3,000 employees, we have about 70% women, but it's not everyone's in leadership roles. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to give people an environment that makes it easy to have a family and, and also be in business. So the way that, say, Germany has tackled it is they've now instituted quotas for their boards to say you have to have X amount of women on, on, on your board. I mean, are we at the point, Tori, where this needs to be government mandated? I mean, I think that's hard to do because you also want the best person for your board and you can't just look at gender. It has to be the best person at what they do. That said, I think women have a very different perspective and it's a myth if you don't have women on your board. Are women CEOs treated differently? I think there's, I don't know, 4% of CEOs are women. I think there's more male CEOs named Chris than there are women CEOs. It's there's, actually, you're right. I mean, it's I actually think, 5%. So. We're actually at a record, 27 CEOs in the S&P 500 are, are, are women, but that's only 5%. It's a shockingly low number. So yes, they're treated differently, I'm sure. I try not to focus on that. And in fact, I just have a, hired a co-CEO who's a man. It's working quite well. Roger Farah. I saw that. I saw that. Um, not just. It's been two years. I was reading a, a past interview, you did, and you talked about Marissa Meyer as an example. So when you talk about female CEOs and how they're treated in the eyes of the public, in the eyes of the media, and in the eyes of shareholders and investors. Someone like Marissa Meyer, so in the spotlight, so under pressure. <laughs> uh, is she treated differently? Is I mean, fair? I don't know how Marissa's treated. I'm a big fan, and I'm sure she walked into a job that was quite difficult. So um, you'd have to ask her. But I think, you know, it is, there is definitely sexism, and, and that has to stop as well. And, and you see that in, it takes shape in all forms. When you talk about leading this company as successfully as you, as you have, you've talked about 
the fact that there are even greater impediments to women succeeding in business in terms of the social norms that we ourselves perpetuate. What are some of those social norms and how have you sort of broken away from them? I think my biggest challenge is being a mom and being a CEO and just even going to the schools and being the one who's working, you know, because there are moms that don't work and there are moms that do. And it's, it's definitely a bit of a divide. But I think, you know, as I said, everyone has to do what's right for them. And I think that's my biggest challenge. How am I a great mom? My boys come first, but I also want to be a great CEO. And that work comes after, but you have to put up some barriers. Is there is there a lesson there that you can share with others? Is it putting up the barriers? And I mean, how do you decide where they go? How do you decide who to say no to? Well, you, saying no is an art form, and I think that that's something I've learned how to do very well, and, I, and that's that would be great advice, is that saying no is as important as saying yes. But I think wow. getting off your phone at night when you're with your family is really important. You have certain times that you're just off of business, and I think that that is how you do it. You have to be great at time management. That is key. Yes. Having a kid makes you incredibly efficient. You're, you have to be efficient. Let's get back to the fellowship program. Um, I think we're living in, in a time when companies have to be more than what they produce and how much they make. I've seen it play out very clearly. Um, what you're doing with your foundation is an example. Starbucks, what Howard Schultz has been doing while making record profit, I think is another example. What is the obligation of a corporate citizen today? And how is it different than a decade ago? What's expected of companies? Well, I think what's interesting about our company is that we knew that we wouldn't be able to start a foundation right away financially. But to have it part of the business plan and part of the conversation and the DNA is so important. And giving back comes in all forms. So I think there is an expectation of of social responsibility today that there wasn't. Traditionally, you look at companies and they set up their foundation 20, 30 years after their success. But I think when you start earlier, and if we can be a role model to startups, that would be a great thing. It's a win-win for everyone. What's the biggest takeaway from the foundation thus far, what you're most proud of in terms of who you've helped or how? Well, I'm so proud. We have a wonderful president, Lori Fabiano, and I think since she's come on board, I've never really wanted to talk much about the foundation until we had real scale and impact. And I was always worried that it would ever be perceived as marketing because it was so far from that. And so now that we have helped almost a 1,000 women get loans, now that we have set up an education program with Goldman Sachs, now that we have our partnership with Bank of America, we have real things to talk about. We want to be the go-to source for women entrepreneurs, and I think we're well on our way. Let's talk about the word just. I have made a conscious decision and effort to take just out of the beginning of my sentences and in my emails. And you've talked about this, how we often, you know, put, well, I just had an idea or I just thought <laughs> you should know this. What is it with women in the word just? Or, or I'm, you know, apologizing for, you know, when people would say, what a great company. Oh, it's, you know, it's just starting. <laughs> I was always sort of like saying, oh, but, you know, just and but and all these words. I think, you know, I, and I said it to a friend this weekend. Like I was saying how wonderful her talk was, and she was shying away from that. You just have to look at things at face value and say thank you. And, and really, I wouldn't be able to do it without my incredible team, but, you know, that's just a fact. <laughs> but I am proud of what we've done. And, and you have to take ownership in your success. Women do tend to do that more. I've noticed it. And I tend to put more smiley faces in my emails and exclamation <laughs> marks, and I'm working on all of that. Um, 
It comes very easy for men. I have three three boys and I have three brothers, so I see it every day. Let's talk about the definition of success for you. Um, I think this is emblematic of it and what, what you've built. I was reading back to when you first opened your first boutique, and literally the doors didn't arrive on time. No, we've had many, many things happen like that <laughs> over the years. So what is success for you, Tori? I mean, success is looking around and seeing the incredible team that I have, um, that we've been able to impact lives and make a difference. I think is success is ever-changing, and we always strive and look forward to see how we can make a difference and, and keep the vision going. For me, as I said, I feel like we're just beginning on some levels, and, and I'm so happy I'm able to feel that passion 12 years after I started a company that I never imagined having to begin with. Right. Success in business is one thing. Success for the foundation is another thing. It's very clear that that's where a big part of your heart is. What do you hope the the foundation can become? I mean, you've already given away a huge amount of money in loans. What's your dream for it? Well, I think if we could be that that source for women entrepreneurs um, globally, eventually, and that's something that I would love to do is, is be a global foundation. Right now, the United States is um, a great starting point. We have a lot to do here. But I think if we could be an inspiration for women to embrace ambition, to understand mm-hmm. that they can get loans, to enter some of our education programs, and and really feel great about what they're doing and build their confidence. That would be um, what I would wish for. Confidence is a word that you keep coming back to. What boosted your confidence the most on this journey? You know, I was lucky enough to have parents that, <laughs> I mean, I would get maybe a B minus or even a C plus, and they'd be like, great job. And I would say, mom, I, that's not very good. Like, I would actually harder on myself. Than, and <laughs> so they, was they, I. Yeah, so they made me believe that I could do anything. And I think I was lucky enough to grow up in an environment like that. That's not often the case. And I think women need a confidence boost and in general. And certainly that's something that um, I see extraordinary entrepreneurs, and I'm amazed. And I just want to see have them see that in themselves. So I ask this to almost everyone I interview, certainly every woman I interview. <laughs> Who do you look up to? Oh, wow. There's so many people. My mother is um, the strongest, most optimistic person I've ever met. So um, certainly her. Um, so many leaders. Um, I don't know. Aung San Suu Kyi. She's, uh, to me, someone who's endured many things. And I was lucky enough to meet her in, in Myanmar. And wow. that was, what you know, was like? it was just being in a presence of, of greatness. And I was super impressed. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Boss Files. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 